Do we have the capacity to control what enters our mind through our eyes and our ears? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. Apologies about the past few weeks of no Tachlis Talks podcasts, a bunch of traveling, thankfully a bunch of good things, some family things, and a uh, weekend spent, uh, I was uh, speaking in the Indianapolis, Indiana area and actually uh, presented a Tachlis focused seminar as we aim towards Rosh Hashanah, setting Tachlis goals and trying to take Tachlis steps toward those goals. Tachlis, as we've described way back and uh, somewhere probably um, in our show notes of some previous uh, talks, Tachlis standing for taking steps that are T for timely, A for accountable, C for challenging. H, healthy, L, less is more. Often we overreach and end up not accomplishing. I for I can and S for sustainable. Uh, If that doesn't sound familiar, search back over there or reach out to me. Happy to send you more details on that, as well as if you have interest in bringing a Tachlis seminar to your community, reach out, tachliscoaching at gmail.com. This coming Torah portion of Shoftim, includes within it many, many, many laws, but a uh, particular lesson that relates to the opening verse, which is pretty rare that we comment on the opening verse and actually the opening words of the parsha, Shoftim v'shotrim, Titim Lacha, where the Torah tells us to establish courts and to establish policing systems to see that the edicts of the courts are upheld. And the Torah describes setting up those courts, b'chol sha'arecha, at the gates of your cities, at all of your cities, it should not just be one central court, but this should be something that is accessible throughout the country, something that is efficient, and something that is effective. The Shalah, Shnei is a great work by a masterful uh, Jewish philosopher and Kabbalist and scholar, and uh, often his work is referred to instead of Shnei Luchos Habris, just as the opening letters of each of those words, Shin Lamed and He for Shalah. The Shalah gives a perspective, a lesson in this verse that is maybe more relevant to each of us as individuals, and particularly for those of us who can't be involved in setting up courts in the land of Israel today, but where we can kind of hold court over ourselves. And he understands that the message of establishing a control at all of your gates is a message that we should take control of the access points, the entry zones into ourselves. For example, our eyes and our ears serve as points of access for information that's out there getting in here. Media, schmoozing, gossip, whatever is out there on the billboards or on the screen of your neighbor at work, information that maybe I should not be attentive to. Maybe it is personal and private. Maybe it is somewhat wrongful for me to be reading this. Maybe it is damaging for me to be reading this. Maybe it is heretical information, uh, concepts that are not in sync with Torah values and with Tachlis growth. Maybe there are scenes that, if embedded into my mind, would be damaging in terms of my otherwise 
more innocent perspectives, and even if they've already been tainted, no reason to further taint them. And he says we should take control over those gates, over those access points, and we have the capacity to exercise control over those access points. And to a simpler level, avoid situations where I anticipate that I'm likely to be subjected to words, uh, expressions that I should not be hearing, images, scenes that I should not be seeing. And I should exercise that control, close the eyes, cover the ears, or simply leave that environment, or at least not particularly purposely enter the environment. But it takes more than just the policing. There has to be also the attitude and the mindset that helps me take control. And uh, in a parallel, if we'd say that I realize I shouldn't open my eyes to direct sunlight, that's going to be damaging, and I can understand that, and I can feel that, and I can perceive that, well, we have to have the same attitude when it comes to elements that are spiritually hazardous and damaging, and understand that there may be sounds that are just too loud and grating or screeching if you're one of those people that doesn't like the 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 uh, the um, fingernails on the chalkboards, although the younger generation have no idea what a chalkboard is. But if you don't like that screeching sound and it's really disturbing, there should also be a similar disturbance with the metaphorical screeching of words that why would you be saying that? Why should I be hearing this? I don't want to hear your attitudes on that person's behavior. Again, where it is of no import for me and it's simply you're deriding them. Don't want to hear that. That's screeching. That's disturbing. And I shift away. I close up shop, not interested in allowing there to be an access point to enter. The procession Rebbe has a fascinating idea, one of his works, that adds an element to this. I'm assuming that out there in Tachlis Talks lands, uh, that all of you who are currently listening got out of bed today purposefully, rather than waking up to find yourself on the floor because you fell out of bed in the middle of the night. And uh, the assumption I'm having is that even though many of you, as infants, toddlers, into early childhood, may have needed some type of a protective barrier to see to it that you would not fall out of bed, a barricade that we call a crib, later on some type of a bar or a padding, uh, parents positioning your bed adjacent to a wall and making sure there was a soft landing on the other side should you roll off. Uh, and again, earlier stages preventing you from rolling off. But what changed? Why is it that in early stages of life, you needed that protective barrier and now you don't? And arguably, many of us do shift and move while we sleep. So is it simply that as we get older, we don't have the strength to move as much while we're asleep? He writes and actually bounces off others who uh, have indicated there's some studies even about this, that... Um, even uh, many adults do a significant amount of shifting and get themselves into positions that are precariously close to the edge of the bed, but pull back. And on the subconscious level, we have a recognition of the danger as we grow and we develop and we realize, I don't want to be falling several feet down to the floor. That's not so comfortable. We learn to avoid doing so even when we're not consciously avoiding doing so. Our subconscious kicks in and says, back up, this is too close. I feel airspace, I feel at the edge. And as a parallel, there are people who have 
run away from situations of harm, danger, without being able to explain what it is that triggered their reason to get out of here fast. And only afterwards realizing that there was a certain odor, a smell that had them perceive that there was some major hazard. There was gas, there was smoke, that they hadn't even consciously calculated why they didn't feel comfortable staying there. But at an earlier stage of life, they had experienced that smell together with some real serious, dangerous situation that thankfully they did survive. But now detecting something that is a matching of that experience is something that works even on the subconscious level. So we have the capacity to consciously avoid situations where we will be allowing access for that unwanted outside intervention and uh, um, disturbance into my pristine inner soul and self. We can avoid entering the zone where people are speaking the gossip, just not not turning our attention to see what's in the uh, email on the screen of our coworker when uh, when he or she walks away. We can, again, avoid taking steps to be doing things that are allowing wrong entry. But sometimes we don't have the luxury. Something starts happening. But if we can so sensitize ourselves to the fact that these elements are wrong and I don't want to do that which is wrong. These are damaging. I don't want to experience that which is damaging. I understand that spiritual hazard is also hazard. Then we can develop the strength to protect ourselves from having these unwanted um, entries into our system, even on a subconscious level. People ask, how is it that I can control eyes, I can close, turn away, but sound, even if I turn my head, unless I literally run out of the room, much harder. Again, some situations demand that we do so, but we know that there is such a thing as selective listening. Any of you who have children who have managed to totally not hear your request that they clean up their room or go to bed, it's sometimes a function of them simply ignoring, and it's sometimes a function of them not hearing what they don't want to hear. We can do that. We can be in a room and be tuned out from everything around us. I'm willing to uh, bet that many of you, the evening or afternoon, whatever the time was, that you were about to be proposing, or in the moments that you were anticipating being proposed to, if there were other conversations going on in a restaurant around you, or if there was something else happening in the park that was surrounding you, that you had exceedingly little attention paid to all of that outside chatter. And that outside noise was simply not entering through your passageways, through your gates, because you were so attentive to something else, so focused on that which you were anticipating. And I, I think that's the case in many situations where something is happening that is so meaningful in your life that you are simply not attentive to other things that are going on surrounding you. They have become so unimportant, so irrelevant. I'm not involved with that because something else is so important that is overwhelming everything else that surrounds. Later on, spouses often complain. And, uh, you know, she isn't attentive when I come home. Uh, I said something, but she was so busy checking her email on the phone. Uh, he, uh, we could be sitting in a uh, restaurant environment. He's busy paying attention to the conversation at the table next to me. That's a problem. 
And that's something that can be worked on by recognizing and reaffirming the degree to which there is something in front of me, someone in front of me that I care about enough to be totally focused upon and then learn to kind of zone out and everything else. Any of you who had the experience of studying in a yeshiva study hall at Base Medrash or Beit Midrash, even those over here in Sistani and the Kolel, many first time will walk in and say, how do you possibly pay attention to your study partner when there are five, 10, 20, or sometimes hundreds of other study partnerships having discussions surrounding you? And it does take some time to learn to be able to zone everything out. But a few weeks later, people often comment, wow, like this is just natural. I, I don't have a clue what was going on on the table behind me or, or even the study partnership sharing the table with me because I didn't want to. And it was naturally keyed into that was happening. And they simply do not hear those other conversations. We can get to that point of concentration that a person can be praying and not notice something else that's happening in the room, even though it's in his line of sight, because he is so focused, has that kavanah. So pulling it all together, we should have the judges, the policing system, we should be governing the access points and determining that A, I am attentive to the fact that not every sound that surrounds me, not every conversation that surrounds me, not every comment that's made, not every speech that's being presented is something that I want to absorb. Not every piece of media that is in front of me, not every scene, not every open screen is something that I want to allow my eyes to be attentive to and to be absorbing. And then take the steps to distance ourselves from such mistakes and develop the sensitivity and the, the appreciation for the hazards and for the, 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 the wrong of allowing everything to enter that it becomes an element of our subconscious. If we can take such steps and over time becoming more focused on that which we should be focusing upon and helping to distance from that which we should not, more attentive to the spiritual effects damaging effects of some of those conversations, some of those uh, declarations and uh, some of those scenes and attentive to our internal spiritual capacity and not wanting to taint that, wanting to be more pure. We can combine all these. We can become good at being the judges and being the police that help control those access points and see to it that we are allowing in elements that are positive, elements to help our growth, weeding out and, and closing the doors to those elements that don't, and in so doing, holding back from the negative and allowing in only the positive, developing into the type of people who become far more likely to achieve our tackles.